Welcome to season nine of Focus on Women. So excited to share that Tidy Books is here to help all of us do our bookkeeping faster, better, and get it off our plates. If you ever feel like you're not a numbers person, or maybe you feel the stress and dread over your finances, Tidy Books is here to help. Tidy Books provides monthly bookkeeping services to help you be as hands off as you want to be with your finances, but still have the big picture of your business at any time of the year. If this sounds intriguing to you, contact Tanya for a free consultation and 50% off your first month of bookkeeping with the code TIDY50. You can find Tanya's contact information in the show notes or go to tidybooksboutique.com. Again, the code is TIDY50 and you can contact Tanya at tidybooksboutique.com forward slash contact. Now on to the show. This is Tracy with Focus on Women, and we are here today with Finette Rickard. She is a food and product photographer, helping sustainable brands spread their message with beautiful, light-filled images. She is a fan of Focus on Women and soon to be a board member, so we're super excited to hear her story and learn more about how she got started in photography. So let's dive in and say hello. Hi, Finette. Hi, Tracy. How are you today? I'm great. And we also have Shelly Waldman, our amazing podcast producer. Hi, Shelly. Again, I'm so excited to be here with you guys. So stoked to have you on today. It's great. So, Finette, tell us, take us back. You haven't always lived in the States. So tell us where you are from and how you got into photography and when. So I'm actually French. This is why I have this uh, accent. Most people think I'm German, but no, I am French. And I lived in France until 2004, where I decided to uh, go for a trip. It was supposed to be a one-year round-the-world trip, and that was in 2004, and I haven't gone back yet, so... (laughs) So it's extended a little bit. Back in France, I was an executive secretary and I didn't love my job. So I decided to do something else. So I went on that trip and I ended up on a tiny little island in Thailand where I became a scuba diving videographer and instructor and where I met my husband, who's American. And after we lived there for about eight years, we decided to move to the U.S., and when I arrived at the U.S., in the U.S., I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I couldn't be a diver anymore. And I certainly didn't want to be a, a secretary anymore, so I tried to reinvent myself. I went through a few different jobs, and then I started working for a friend of mine, and he had a retail, online retail business. He was selling some products. And uh, because I was always carrying my camera with me, one day he said, would you be interested in taking some pictures of my products? And I, you know, I pulled that air of confidence saying, sure, I can do that. And then I went home and I started sweating and I looked at the watch creative life nonstop for two days and YouTube videos and everything I could learn. And two weeks later, I presented him some photos that make me cringe today, but he was very happy with them. So that's kind of how I got started with photography, really, as, as a professional anyway. Wow, that's amazing. So where in the States were you when you came back? 
We came to Virginia. We're currently in Virginia, about 40 minutes from Washington, D.C., and we're okay. still here. And that's where we came when uh, my husband had some friends there. He studied uh, here. So so that's why we came here. I was more of a West Coast kind of person. We both are, but uh, we had connections here. So we decided to come to Virginia. Yeah. And But we're not going to be here for much longer. We have decided to move to France next year. Wow. Awesome. That's exciting. Tell me what the product was that you were shooting, the first product you shot. Oh, my God. It's very hard to describe. It's a, so they have different types. It's a bag that's also a mat. So it has like a string. Yes, I know. It's the, the very, very weird product. And it was horrible to photograph. <laughs> so it's basically a round mat and it has a drawstring. And then you put your, your cosmetics or your Legos in there. And then you pull the drawstring and it becomes like a purse. Yeah. Um, and the first one that they made was like this really big one for their, they have three sons. And there was Legos everywhere. So they decided to come up with a creative solution to, you know, figure out how to, you know, manage all these Legos everywhere. When you have three sons, it's just, it's a nightmare. So they made this really big one and then they made a smaller one to take on vacation. And then they made a much smaller one to take at the restaurant. And then one day she's like, well, I should make one for my cosmetics too. And then it was picked up by, it's there at Costco, they're at Target, they're everywhere now. So it was a really successful business. And I'm glad that I got to start with them because it was like, because they were friends, they were very forgiving with my images so it got me allowed me to learn uh quite a bit well you know not being too stressed about the outcome well I was a little bit concerned about the outcome but it was not like a, a client per like like it would be a relationship with a client like I have today so it was a little bit more forgiving so it was a really interesting way to get started and then what did you do next to grow the business and so when I decided to leave that uh, that company, I, I was actually hired by a, a local marketing agency uh, as a creative director and graphic designer, because while I was working for my friend, he also trained me as a graphic designer because he needed some help with that as well. So he taught me everything that he knows. He was a professional graphic designer. So I went on to work for that uh, marketing company and I was just part-time, so I had some time to kill. So I decided to do some of the photography projects on the side. So I started using some of the platforms for freelancers and I picked up a few projects and that's kind of how I started doing stuff on my own. And first projects were pretty horrible. I had no idea about anything, pricing, business. I had no contracts. It was just you know, like really bootstrapping it and not very well, if I may say. So, so yeah, but I, hopefully I've, I've grown quite a bit since then. So now I don't make the same mistakes, but it was very interesting to uh, get started this way. Yeah. And I can see that you're sitting in somewhat of a studio space and where you have your own props now and some surfaces and all of that stuff. So it's definitely grown. And when I look at your site, you, besides the product, you're also shooting food, right? Yeah. And where did the food come in? Uh, so um, I was shooting products and I was, like I said, using those platforms. I think it was Thumbtack that I was using back in the day. And I was, so I was look, uh, working with a lot of local businesses. And then one day this person contacted me and she said, so I don't have a product. I make cakes. I'm a blogger. I make cakes and cupcakes and cookies and stuff like that. 
And I love your images. And I'm thinking if you can shoot product, you can probably shoot food. And all of a sudden I'm like, what? You can shoot food? Sign me up, please. So I started working with her and every other week she would deliver me those amazing cakes and cupcakes and cookies. And I put on 10 pounds just working with her. It was awful. Uh, but it's kind of how I got started. And that's when I realized that I think I like food photography even more than I like product photography. So uh, that's kind of how I got started with the whole food gig. Wow. So what's the span of time there? How long have you been shooting then? So I came back in the U.S. in 2013. I must have started shooting for my friend in 2014. Food, maybe in 15 or 16. Yeah. 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 Like that. Amazing. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Like totally self-taught. And now you also teach others, right? Right. So I don't, I don't teach technique of photography because I, I don't feel like it's my place, but I, I used to be a secretary. I'm very organized. I like my systems. I'm very systems oriented and I know creative people are not, and they need some help in that department. And I'm here for that. So I've been trying to help photographers help helping them with their systems and their uh, general business practices, because I find that they can be bothered most of the time. So I'm here to hold their hand and show them the way. Right, <laughs> right. Plus, I think a lot of them, it's, yeah, it's a different brain that you use for the business side, which is kind of tricky for them. And I think I saw one of your Instagram posts recently around pricing and the fear of what to charge. And, and since you are self-taught and self-made and brought, you know, you have such great knowledge around things that you've learned, I'm sure that you could share with others, which is really nice. Well, I, I didn't do it on my own. I, from very early in my career, I reached out to some other photographers for help from probably a year or two into my career. I started working with a business coach. She was launching a online course and she needed some uh, better students and she offered like a coaching program for like a year. Um, and it was really reasonable for, for me. It was a lot of money back then. But uh, now that I look back, uh, it was an amazing value. And she really helped me with mindset mostly because my first my first gig, I, I was charging so low. It was ridiculous. And she really, she really like worked me on that. She's like, you cannot charge those prices. You have to charge more. And every time I had a proposal to send, she required that I send it to her first, that we discussed it. And then, and then she would say, no, double it or no, triple it. And then, <laughs> and then I would. And I remember a thing that she used to say, she, she used to say, the price that you quote needs to make you feel like you're going to throw up. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's like, okay, keep going. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. Right, you're so uncomfortable that it makes you sick to your stomach. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I'm going to try that one. <laughs> it works. I still I still make those proposals sometimes and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be sick. Okay, send, clip. And then every time I do that. <laughs> awesome. Well, you mentioned using like, um, you know, Thumbtack and I know you've used some other kind of freelance uh, websites like Upwork is a really popular one that I know you used for a long time to kind of grow your business. So I would love for you to kind of share just kind of how you found your footing in the beginning versus how you find clients now. 
So uh, I started with Thumbtack because it was really kind of approachable and it's working with local clients and you feel like it's a small business working with a small business. It's not quite, you know, like very impressive. I mean, it is impressive, but it's still um, approachable and it's people that you can meet. So um, I really like the aspect of that. But then one day we had dinner with uh, one of my uh, husband's colleague and he said, oh, you work on Thumbtack. That's interesting. Have you heard of Upwork? And I was like, no, I have not. And he actually used to work for Upwork. He uh, had just quit and started working at the same company as my husband. But he said, you know, I was working there for a long time and I saw some freelancers really make some really good money. So you should really try to uh, have a look at it. So I did have a look at it. And then he was kind enough that I was able to sit down with him again a couple of weeks after, after I had to look at the platform and he gave me some good, some good, um, advice on uh, what where to start, what to do, and all that sort of stuff. So um, that's kind of how I got started on the platform. And it really went really well for me. Granted, I started with really low pricing because on those platforms, a lot of the time when you get started, you need your reviews. So you need to really take on some jobs that are not necessarily very well paid. But uh, it allowed me to build a portfolio, build some uh, reviews, and build some confidence as well. So um, that was really good. And to this day, I, I don't work a lot on Upwork anymore, but I still have a very strong profile on Upwork. So our clients actually find me on Upwork and contact me outside of the platform, which is pretty amazing. I get the, both, the best of both worlds. <laughs> that being said, a lot of the clients that I work with on Upwork are clients that I've been working with for a few years. They've They've grown with me, so my pricing has grown too, and they have followed me this way. But a lot of the clients that I find now find me uh, through my website or on LinkedIn or through my personal reach out to them. So it has changed a lot, but I, I would say that Upwork has, has been really important in the development of my, my career as a photographer, for sure. So I'm curious to dig in just a little bit deeper on that piece, which is these clients that originally found you on Upwork when you were maybe charging not nearly as much as you're charging today, but they have stayed with you over the years as your prices increased. Can you talk to us about that conversation when you increase your prices with those existing clients? So I have, I like my templates. So I have a few templates of emails that, you know, I, I send to my clients when I feel like it's time to increase my prices. And I explain to them that as a business owner, I invest a lot in my business, whether it's in equipment, in education, in systems, because I try to make um, the process as simple as possible and as, as sim seamless as possible for my clients. So this actually takes a lot of time on my part to set it up in the first place. So I have those conversations about, you know, me growing my business and it taking time and money and effort and, and, and then I need to have some sort of return. So I, I let them know that as, as a business owner, that the pricing that I offered them before does not make sense for me anymore. And in order for us to keep working together, these are my new rates. And, and typically they are pretty okay with it. So I've, I haven't had anybody, I've had some people said, I'm sorry, I can't afford it, but never anybody got like upset or mad. They're business owners as well. They understand that, you know, you grow your business and things change. And as you invest in your business, then you need to get some return. So. Well, I love I love that it like insight and the way that you've set it up and the way that you talk about it, because as you grow your business, right, when you started off and you're kind of 
you know, like the, the small fish and the big pond kind of thing where you're like, I'm growing my confidence, I'm growing my portfolio. And every time you do a job, you're getting a little bit better. You're getting more confident. You're learning new things. And I think a lot of us get stuck in a pattern where we're not also growing our prices. So I think this is a really important topic that we don't talk um, enough about, especially when you're doing brand to, you know, brand uh, photographer direct to brand work, not so much through like agency or magazine editorial. Well, and I think also you need to grow your mindset. Like when I started, I really thought of myself as a freelancer. And now I really think of myself more as a CEO of a business, like a business owner. And I think the distinction is really helping me make decisions for my business and not decisions for me like I used to do. It's very different. Like I'm not, um, and especially now I have some help. So when I make a decision, it's not only me, it's the people that help me with this business that I need to think about. So I think it's, there's really a, a, a mindset shift that needs to happen for you to be able to grow this way as well. And uh, I know a lot of people are talking about mindset right now, and I think it's a very important conversation for sure. Can we dig into a little bit of your practices around mindset that you actually block out certain times during the week? Like, tell us a little bit about how you actually structure your week and structure your time blocks. Sure. I love to talk about that. <laughs> so I have some days that are dedicated to certain activities. Like for example, I know that Monday is my uh, content creation day. So I typically try to keep the Monday morning at least to uh, work on my Instagram posts and stories and my newsletter and my blog posts. And then if I need more time in the afternoon, I will do some more time, some more work in the afternoon. Although most of the time, my Monday afternoon is spent with either my student. I have a coaching program. So I have, I, I keep that block of time uh, for our calls or any sort of support that I need to give them. And then my Friday, I just started that. It's always been loosely that, but now it's really, it's defined. It's my CEO day. I love that name. It makes me feel important and, you know, like a business owner. So it's my CEO day where I look at um, what I've accomplished, at my goals, if I'm still going in the right direction. I'm looking at my finances. I'm looking at uh, planning my for my upcoming weeks. And then I take some time for myself sometimes where I need, you know, if I need to plan, if I need to reflect, if I need to um, uh, do some um, like business development activities, basically. And if I have a little bit more time, this is also when I uh, do like my personal photography projects. And then from Tuesday until Thursday, then I have typically in, in the morning, my blogs are more like uh, deep work, whether it's working on my group coaching program, if I'm creating some new lessons, for example, or if I have client work, this is when I'm going to do the actual work. And the afternoons are typically more for lighter work, like admin stuff, emails, planning, shopping, that kind of stuff. I know I'm, I'm a lot more productive in the morning. My brain works better in the morning than at four o'clock, like right now. <laughs> so I keep the mornings for the uh, important stuff that needs a lot of focus. And I think that is a really key distinction, right? Is to understand when are you your most productive or most creative. Um, so that way those hours are used more for the income, you know, producing activities. So that way your afternoons can be for things that are, like you said, like, I know that you love to go shopping for props. <laughs> and you also, and you also love to take little day trips and things like that. So those afternoons are great for like those catch ups with coffee and talking with friends and 
scrolling uh, on Instagram. You yeah. That stuff. <laughs> but let's back up to th something you mentioned about being the CEO and the mindset. Sorry, not the mindset, but being the CEO and growing a team, right? So now it's not just you. Uh, you do have two VAs that I, I know of, and, you know, maybe you have more now. Oh, she put up four fingers, folks. She's got four people. She's they are, She's They're not full-time. They're not full-time. I, I like to hire people for specific needs. So I, I believe that we each have a zone of genius. So I have my VAs uh, work on their zone of genius. So I have one that is my copywriter. So my blog posts, uh, for example. She <clears throat> helps me with my newsletter and stuff like that. I have another VA that um, helps me with like the admin stuff. And then I have one that does Pinterest because I, I really don't even want to get started with Pinterest. There's just so much to do there. If you can do it, that's great. And then I just hired actually one of my students to help me in my Facebook community. She uh, She's my community manager. So she's answering, she's answering like posts. She's creating engagement and stuff like that because I, I was not very much on top of it and I really want my students to have a great experience and she was just she was my my perfect student and she, she was really she had that bubbly that I don't have and so I said would you like to help me and she said yes so it's four people but overall it's not like I'm not paying them you know I don't have a full team of four people full-time I would love that but I do not yet <laughs> well what was the first inkling that you're like, I need to find somebody to help me with X. And how did you decide what that thing was going to be, what that X was that you could move off your plate? So for me, it was the writing because I am not a concise person. When I write something, it's uh, pages. Like if, if I start writing a blog post, it's going to be three pages and people are going to be bored by the second paragraph. So I realized that I am just not a very, I'm very good at making bullet points. So that's what I do for my uh, VA now. I, I make bullet points and I say, this is what I want to talk about in the blog post. And then I bullet points and I give some examples and stuff. And then she's very good at coming up with like a structure and a plan and, and writing it in a concise way that I never was able to. So I, I've known that for a long time about myself that I'm not concise. So after trying to write blog posts for a while and spending like two days on one blog post. I'm like, this is not working. I need help. So this is kind of how it, it got started with, with her. She was helping me with that. And she's a photographer as well. So she knows exactly what I'm talking about, which has been really helpful. And she's been working with me for like two years now. So she, I think she knows my business more than I, than I do. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I mean, I think when a, people come at hiring people at different points in time for different needs, right? Sometimes it's the things you don't really want to do. Like for you, you're like writing and being concise in my writing is not a good fit. And I really want to put out blog content. And other times it's like, I'm so overwhelmed. I just can't get to those tasks anymore, which is like the, the reason why you hired a community manager in your Facebook. It's like, not because you weren't good at connecting. It's just that you've got so much going on now and your business has expanded that you needed that additional help. And I also like the idea of building a team. Like this is something if you had asked me like four years ago, I would have said, oh, hell no, 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 no. It's me. I don't want to have to deal with, you know, managing people. And now that I have a team, I'm very happy that I do, because especially after a year and a half of COVID, you know, it's been very lonely and having a team that you can rely on and that you can share things with. 
has been really, really helpful uh, for me. And, and it makes me also feel good that I can share the success of my business with other people. And it's been very uh, rewarding and important for me. So let's talk that. about, yeah, oh, I mean, sorry, let's I talk just... about that. <laughs> sorry, Katie. Yeah. Sorry, no, I just wanted to go back for a quick second because I think that's an important thing to point out to the people listening is that that it's okay to involve other people in the success of your business, right? And I think some photographers hold everything very close to their sleeve and they don't know what to give up or when to ask for help or when is it, a you know, when am I spending the money in the right place kind of thing. And so I find it super enlightening that you have four virtual assistants. I'm completely <laughs> writing notes down going, okay, how do I divide that up for me? Like, that's amazing. And I think I also have a cleaning lady because I believe that help is, you know, everywhere. Like absolutely running ragged, trying to get to keep my house clean. I have a five-year-old and I'm like, you know what? No, I don't need to be doing that. That's and right. you have help with your five-year-old as well. Right. I do. Well, he goes to school and then I have a nanny when um, days like today I mess up and I think it's a it's a holiday and it's not. And I, yeah, so I took him to the nanny today when actually he had school. So I got a call from school at 10 a.m. saying, where is your kid? Oh, how funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, Shelley, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I did want to point out to everyone that I think it's really important that you do. It's OK to have help. It's OK to ask for help. And it, it just helps give you the space to be creative. It also gives you perspective on your business. There are some things that I don't see that my VAs point out. Like, oh, did you notice that we've grown? Or do, did you notice that this, we wrote this two years ago, maybe we should rewrite it. Oh, yeah, sure, you're right. I did not think of that. So it's very nice to have uh, those uh, extra pairs of eyes on the business because I, I can't see everything. I just don't have time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love this mindset of being a CEO and thinking bigger and kind of beyond the scope of what do I need for me, but what do I need for my business? And how does that business sustain my lifestyle as well as it can sustain a team? So I'm really curious when you're looking forward in your business, are you someone who plans ahead and is like a goal planner and, you know, kind of like sees down the road or are you someone who's very much like, okay, this month I'm doing this. Um, I go back and forth. I am trying, I, I, it works better for me when I plan, uh, but I have a tendency to over plan and then not actually do the stuff because I spend so much time planning. So I'm trying to uh, not plan too, too much, but uh, what I do right now is I kind of have, I set a day uh, per month so I can kind of plan the upcoming months, kind of figure out what are the big projects that I want to work uh, on. And then I, I have a 90 day plan, planning day where I look ahead at the quarter and what's going to happen so that I'm not a good planner for the, for the for the whole year, for example. I find that it's too overwhelming. So I like to plan in smaller chunks. But I, like I said, I need to hold myself back on planning because otherwise I would be planning all day if I could. But I also have those periods where I'm like, I don't want to plan. I just want to wing it. So I'm, I'm, I'm very much a black, and, black or white person. It's all or nothing. So... <laughs> Either I plan like crazy or I just uh, fly by the seam of my pants. But it does work better when I plan. So I try to stick to planning when I can. And how does that, how did like your, your 
because that's for your photography and for like how you want to grow and personal projects. But how does that work for your educational side? Well, that's that's the same as well. I, I know when I want to create new courses or launch the courses that I've already created, I kind of plan that I know exactly when I'm going to be launching what in 2022, for example. And then I, I so I start by thinking when I will be launching which product and then I work backwards to figure out what needs to be done when in order for that product to be launched at that time. So that's been um, that's been a work in progress because I tend to want to launch all the products all the time all the, at the same time and I want to do all the things so I also need to hold myself help myself back on 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 wanting to do too many things at the same time so I've been really working with my business coach on having less goals and really trying to focus more because I am very enthusiastic I want to try everything I have ideas all the time and I just she's really helping me trying to dial down and just choose one or two things that I can do because otherwise I end up wanting to do 10 things and not getting anything done. So um, having a business coach has been really helping me. She's like, but Nate, you're doing it again. How many goals do you have? Six? No, let's dial it down. <laughs> so it's been helpful. And are you finding a better method to kind of picking and choosing which goals those are so that way you can press pause on the other ones or schedule those further out? Um, and what is that methodology? So for me, uh, so I, I, I like to work backwards. So I look at the big picture and like what I want to do in five years. And then from those, this big picture, I, I try to figure out three to four, three is a good, is a good place I find goals for this upcoming year. And from those three goals, I try to divide them in little projects so that, for example, one of my goal for next year is going to be to move to France. So one of the projects associated with moving to France is to start looking at the admin side of things, creating like an entity in France, finding an accountant in France. Uh, all that, all those little pieces. And so when I have that goal to move to France, then I can take it in small pieces and then schedule it throughout the months of the, um, of the year. And then when I look at my whole year, if I have a month where there's like 10 projects and then the next month has two, I realize that there's a problem. So I try to kind of move things around and try to figure out how I can make it all fit. And I'm, I'm really trying to cut out what is not necessary because I've been, like I said, I tend to do too many things. So I've been really trying to be very mindful about does it really need to be done? If not, just let's not, or delegate because I have a team. So I try to delegate as well. So let's talk about work, right? So now you, you've moved on to pitching clients mm -hmm. rather than waiting for clients to find you. Yep. And how has that changed your mindset, your work, and your lifestyle? Um, so the mindset is really like when people come to you, they make the decision. When you go pitch clients and you choose to work with them, then whether or not they accept that they want to work with you is another decision of theirs. But at least you choose the clients that you want to work with. And and also it allows you to really focus when you create some personal work, when you do some portfolio work, then having those clients as like a goal really helps you focus on the type of work that you want to do. And it, I used to have like so many, so many ideas again of shoots that I could do. 
and not having that kind of ideal list of clients. I would do a shoot a little bit like this, a little bit like that. And then, oh, I can try this and I can try that. And then I get all, you know, all over the place. But having a list of the of clients that I really want to work with and that I start pitching and, and um, being connected to really helps me focus my personal work, my portfolio work so that I really, I know that what I'm creating has a purpose and it's the purpose of attracting the client that I want to work with. So it's really been really interesting. And everything that I do for the last two years is really trying to narrow my focus rather than keep expanding like I've been doing before. So uh, it's all, it's all a work in, pro- in progress. But it's narrowing the focus into who you want to work with right? Not necessarily narrowing your focus and your creativity. You're still expanding in your creativity, but you're narrowing the focus to like really funnel your work towards like a certain subject or a certain industry. Absolutely. Although I will say that narrowing your focus when on for your creativity actually creates more creativity. When you have a blank canvas, you tend to you can be not so creative. When you give yourself some boundaries, I find that you actually can get way more creative. Like if you give yourself the boundaries of doing, I don't know, a project with hard lights or with this object, then then you can expand. But if you have so many possibilities, then you can like freeze and like the blank, blank page, you know, I don't know what to do. So I find that having boundaries is actually really helpful uh, for creativity sometimes. Not not always, but um, oftentimes it helps me. So, yeah. Can we talk a little bit about, I feel like there's been a trend in the last like two or three years of photographers going into this sort of doing workshops or teaching classes or helping on the business side, right? Like Shelly, since we have Shelly here too, who also does coaching and offers lighting classes and tips and things. I'm so curious all the time of if you guys feel that that has helped you grow within your photography career as well. Like what, what was the motivation of kind of expanding in that way? So for me, it was, it was not a, it's funny. It just, it happened to me. So after I worked with that coach, so I did that program for one year and I think it was about six months after that, I didn't have a coach anymore and I knew I wanted a coach. And uh, Rachel, who you talked to a couple of weeks ago from Two Love Studio, had this uh, decided to offer a mentorship to a photographer of a choice. And I applied and I was super excited and, and I got selected. And so I got, I got lucky enough that I got to work with Rachel for the mentorship was for six months. And actually at the end of the six months, I was so excited to work with her that I asked if I could pay her to, you know, I want to keep working with you. And so she said, yes, absolutely. So we worked together for about a little bit over a year. And whilst we were working together, she mentioned one day that since I was so successful on Upwork, there might be something there that I could turn into. She, she thought an ebook would be um, a good thing to do. And I thought, well, you know what, I, I could give it a try. And it was for me a good exercise to see if I could share my knowledge and help other people. And, and I thought it was a very uh, interesting exercise to come up with an ebook. So that's kind of how I started teaching. I would have never thought of it by myself. She's the one who suggested it. And that ebook, I mean, it sold like hotcakes. It was crazy. I, I thought I was going to sell like five, 
and I sold like 250 or something like that. It was ridiculous. And so I was like, okay, I am onto something. So I, then I started thinking about ways that I could continue teaching on that kind of topics. And that's kind of how I came up with my group coaching program. And, and it has really helped me grow as a photographer as well, because while I want to better myself so I can better help my students. So I am trying new things so I can teach them to my students. I'm trying to learn from other photographers so I can teach that to my students too. So it's been really a very enriching for me to teach. And I learned like when I have calls with my students, I learn from them as much as they learn from me. So I really, I really enjoy this coaching relationship. It's been really, really fun. Great. Shelly, do you want to chime in on your thoughts on it? Because you also, I just think that's an interesting um, extra kind of revenue making, obviously, thing to do. But I also do think that it kind of puts you guys in a different marketing league in terms of your exposure. You get different exposure in different places that I would think might be helping sell your photography as well? I don't know that it does. For me, it's um, it's very separate. I don't even use the same website for, for my students and for my clients. I don't send them to the same place. I don't send my clients to uh, French Leaf Photography. I send them to fanetrecord.com because they don't, they don't need to see all the education side of my business. What I want them to focus is my work. So I, I don't know that it has helped me so far, but maybe it will. I don't know. Okay. I think it also depends, like Finette mentioned, Rachel from Two Love Studio, and she has a huge, her Two Love Studio is the same thing, right? Where it that is her educational side and her actual portfolio is rachelcornack.com. But through her educational blog, you know, there has been more like, I will call them more of like sponsors that have come to her. Like she's worked with Nikon Canada. She's worked with Nikon Australia. She's worked with a couple lighting companies. There's been some drink opportunities that have come through her educational side, but mostly, you know, when she is going after work, it's coming through her portfolio. I mean, for me, I, I really didn't want to get into teaching. I, I, my parents are both teachers and educators, and I saw what that world was like for 30 plus years, and I didn't really want to do it. Um, and so I very much resisted being a teacher, even though I had the teacher tendencies from being a little kid all the way till my adulthood. But what I noticed was when I wanted to get into commercial photography, there was like no information about it. And even if I went to you know, Imaging USA, or I would go to Photo Plus, like the PDN and the PPAs, like conventions, there really wasn't like a whole lot of conversation about it. And even if you go to APA or ASMP, like as like a total newbie, like you're like, I have no idea what any of this stuff means. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know where this information. And so people kept asking me, like, especially coming out of the wedding and family world, people kept saying like, Shelly, how'd you make that shift? What did that look like? And I'd have a lot of coffees and a lot of phone calls and a lot of hikes. And finally I was like, okay, maybe I should tell people. And so like I had um, like Finette where you finally have someone that's like, hey, maybe you should put that ebook together. I had somebody at Peak Design, which is a apparel company. Uh, they make backpacks for photographers and they started doing talks at their headquarters here in San Francisco. And one of the ladies was like, why don't you come and give a talk? We, we were looking for talks every month. And so I went and it was standing room only. 
there was like 80 people jammed jammed into their little tiny retail space to hear me talk about how I pivoted from weddings and families into commercial photography. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Like that was kind of like an eye-opening thing. And then, you know, I, I was looking for a way to have some consistent income, but more than anything, like Finette said, is like to give back, right. To give back of this knowledge that you have learned. And, you know, maybe you figured out a little bit different of a secret sauce than some other people and that you can share it with, with those that are kind of coming up behind you that maybe haven't quite figured out, you know, how to read the recipe yet. So yeah. Interesting. I just, I just felt like I saw a lot more of it and maybe we did see a lot more of it during COVID because people had more time. Right. And you, like Shelly said, you needed more, a different income stream coming in, but I have always thought that from a marketing standpoint, that maybe it was also, you know, gives you some collateral. I don't know. It gives you some kind of cachet. It's sort of like, not only am I a commercial photographer, but I also teach other people how to be a better photographer. You definitely have two, you definitely have two people that you get to market to, right? So you get like, you get to market to the creatives that are hiring the photographers in one channel, and then you get to market to like the photographers and the business owners on the other channel. Right. You certainly learn a lot from marketing to students, potential students, because that's where I learned all my like email stuff and marketing and growing an Instagram, all that stuff comes from marketing to students. And now I'm trying to like pick and choose what I'm going to apply to my photography business. But uh, so far, I wouldn't say that it has helped me much. I have had, like Rachel, a few sponsorships opportunities because I talk about apps and I talk about, you know, systems and stuff. So those softwares, companies are certainly interested in working with me. And that's something I want to develop more in the future. But for clients, I don't even mention it. Maybe I should. Good for thought. <laughs> Good for thought. Absolutely. <laughs> so talk a little bit more too then about how you're marketing yourself on the photography side. Like what are some tips that you want to share with the listeners about what you've learned in the last, you know, 10 years of being a photographer? Hi. So I'm starting, um, my, my business has really grown in the last couple of years. So I'm really, I really feel like I'm on the edge of like a shift in my business. I, I have been doing a lot of brand, uh, like working with brands on content creation. So it was me in my studio working by myself, uh, finding brands either by, I have a lot of referrals from uh, clients that I've worked with, but I feel like I'm, I, so like I said before, if you had asked me four years ago if I wanted to work with a team, I would have said no. But I started working with food stylists and uh, product stylists, and I absolutely loved it. And I'm like, why would I work by myself ever again? So, so now I'm really starting to shift more towards working with a team, working on bigger sets, even though I'm not really attracted with the big, big, big sets yet. They still scare me a little bit. But um, I, I want to I wanna work with like food stylists because I believe that the teamwork is really re rewarding and it makes the job much more interesting. And so I'm really starting to do things more like um, I signed up for a portfolio review. I'm going to have another one. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I signed up for two. I'm about to sign up for the one in Barcelona for a production paradise in February. So I'm excited about that. And uh, I'm looking into doing some printed promos, which is stuff that I've never done before because um, all my outreach so far has been doing uh, online, has been done online. But I, I really am trying to 
grow, like develop my my business in a different way now. I really, I used to kind of, like I said, bootstrap it, being all by myself and trying to do everything by myself. But I really, I'm, I'm looking forward to having more of a team experience and working with clients that want a bigger production value. So that's been really interesting. I don't know a whole lot about that. I'm still learning on all of that, but I'm very excited to, to dig in and, and dive in and do all these new things that scare the crap out of me, but um, it's a good thing. So I'm excited. That's cool. I think also there will be a shift for sure when you leave the country and you go to France and learning a whole new industry. That is one of the main reasons why I want to do the portfolio review with uh, Production Paradise, because one of the reviewer is actually a creative director for one of the biggest agencies in France. So I'm like, yes, uh, sign me up. I will be right there. I will meet that young right. lady and, uh, and try to, you know, make a connection with her. And there's also a bunch of people from Europe. So I realized that I really need to make those connections before I, I move. So I've been working in the background on LinkedIn quite a bit to make connections with brands in France and uh, creative directors. Uh, but I feel like meeting them in person is probably going to help a lot more than whatever I can do on LinkedIn at this point. So I'm really excited to to do that and, and to dive into this uh, portfolio review world. Yeah. And do you still see your, your photography sort of heading more in a concentrated way just on food or will you always do the product and the food? Do you think? I love the products. I really enjoy doing them. I love uh, shooting cosmetics, food products. And I, I have an inkling lately for like, um, like a little lifestyle interior, but I, I haven't really you know, got into that, but I'm very, it, it piques my curiosity a lot. So I'm, I'm keeping my, my eyes open for that too. Nice. Nice. I think the way we usually like to end things is to ask you to share some tip, like what's something you wish someone had told you before you became a photographer? What, what are some of those things that you share with your students that you wish you knew ahead of time? It's not easy, but it's worth it. So just keep going <laughs> because a lot of people will abandon before it's even started. Like you cannot expect your business to, to pick up in three months or even six months. It's going to take you a year or more to have a viable business. And it's okay. It's you're building something. You're building something for the years to go. So don't expect, we live in a society where we expect, you know, uh, immediate results, but it's, in a, it's a, in a business, it doesn't work like this. So be patient, keep going. Even if you don't think pay, people are paying attention, they are, and just keep putting yourself out there and it's going to be uncomfortable. It's okay. You're going to be fine. I love that. It's true. All right. Well, tell everyone where they can find you, please. So you can find me on Instagram at Frenchly Photography. Or you can find my blog at french.ly. Um, I have a blog where I talk about systems and apps and workflows and client experience and all that good stuff. And uh, I am also on Clubhouse quite a bit uh, with my friend Shelly here. We are here. We are on there about twice a week talking about, you know, pricing and client experience and styling and all that good stuff. So you can also find me on there. It's the... Um, food blog school 
And, uh, and hopefully you will find me soon on Focus on Women uh, podcast as well. You never know. Not podcast. Um, sorry. Five, 5 p.m. My brain is gone. <laughs> right, right. Well, it was really great to hear your story. Thank you for sharing it with us. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. You can find us at focusonwomen.org. You can subscribe at iTunes or Spotify. Feel free to reach out to Shelly and I if you want to be on the podcast or you know somebody who would like to be on our podcast. We're looking for people all the time. We hope everyone stays safe and keeps their creative juices flowing. 